This is the Incubator and the Neonatology Review Podcast. We are your study buddies for neonatology topics. I'm Dr. Ben Korsha. And I'm Dr. Daphne Yasova Barbo. Welcome. Well, we're back, Dara. Yeah. Kind of follow up. Previously, we talked a little bit about just setting the stage and getting ready. And, you know, we're, we're emphasizing those that are taking the boards coming up in March. But, you know, we were just chatting a little bit to ourselves about how this really, I wish I had heard this upon entry into fellowship and started really early. And then you wouldn't be so much cramming near the end. But, We set the foundation, gave some ideas to set up your environment for optimal studying. Now, how do you get it all to stick? Yeah, I I think um, this is probably one of the most important parts of our talk, um, which we hinted about at the previous um, session. And that is that when you study, you need to focus on active strategies so that you have maximum retention. And uh, in medical education, there's a course that I teach with this woman, Lori Newman, about designing a curriculum. And we use this learning pyramid, um, which shows how different learning strategies correlate with different retention rates 24 hours later. Kami, have you seen this learning period? No, I don't think so. So, okay. So I thought that I'd ask you a couple of, uh, actually, maybe just one multiple choice. All right. (laughs) About which type of learning approach do you think has the highest average retention rate 24 hours later? Okay. Okay. And I'm going to put them in alphabetical order, just like a test. And only four options. So option A is group discussion. Okay. Option B is lecture. Okay. Option C is reading. And option D is teaching others. So of those four, which do you think has the highest average retention rate 24 hours later? Okay. I'm going to use my inner Daphne and and Ben, and I'm going (laughs) to, I'm going to talk through this. So we've been talking about passive to active. So I'm going to say, I'm going to think, well, the passive is going to be much less. So sitting there and listening, a lecture, maybe even just reading it, but doing nothing with the content. So reading a lecture, I'm going to say, is on the low end. Group discussion without any notes, that's probably stimulating some thought. But I'm absolutely going to go with the teaching because I know when I was started, when I was a junior attending and I was asked to start giving lectures and I thought I knew it and you had to stand up or or even at the bedside. Bedside teaching's hard because it's Very. it's no preparation. No. You've got a case in front of you and you got to teach about it. That's when I saw where my glaring holes were and how difficult it was. And when I then had to go back and prepare for a teaching environment, that's when I really knew the stuff and, and got that in my head. So I'm going to say teaching is the best thing to do. Awesome. That's great. And um, I, yeah, th- it totally makes sense that you know, it's not just when you're teaching others, you also have to organize the material um, and in a way that so that your learners can understand and and put it in perspective of what you're talking about. So 
um, it does totally make sense. I think writing questions is particularly hard as well yeah. um, as teaching others. So, okay. So you, you were correct about that. Just maybe one more question for you. So since oh. you did so well with that one. So what um, do you think is the average uh, retention rate um, for teaching others 24 hours later? So what percentage do you think you retain? Um, I'm going to, again, just kind of from personal experience, in teaching someone the next day, I'm remembering almost all that content still. I'm going to say above 80%, 90% or more. Yeah. That you're spot on. All right. Yeah. That's good. (laughs) Um, and, and the worst, so of the two, I think they're kind of similar in terms of having lower retention, the lecture and the reading, as you said. So, um, the lectures really are the lowest retention rate. And would you want to take a stab at what percentage do you think that might be 24 hours after you go to a lecture? How much um, do you retain? I'm going to say I lose over half within an hour. So 24 <laughs> hours, it's probably almost all of it. So I'm going to say the complete inverse of teaching. <laughs> You're absolutely right. That's me. That's me. I just, no. you know, I walk out of that room, it's gone. <laughs> You're not the only one. Um, it's about only 5%. Wow. Which yeah. is really, yeah, sad. And, um, and yeah, so it's really low. Reading um, is a little bit better, but still not great. It's 10% 24-hour retention. You know, I wonder, I don't know if uh, I would love maybe as a feedback, just the the younger folks, right? We're, we're a bit older than those that are taking the boards and whether they already knew about active learning, that whole mm. philosophy. Because I'll tell you, I did not learn that during primary school, high school education, um, in college, I learned a really tough lesson when I did the reading in the lecture, right? I relied on that. I was, I was very, you know, studious and went to every lecture. I would read my book. I would highlight it. I was so proud yep. of myself. I would sit there and stare at the page and <laughs> it felt familiar. And then I went into the test and I, and I got killed. And, and even then, even though I realized that wasn't the right thing to do and I adjusted, I still did not know about the whole theory of active mm-hmm. recall. And in fact, we kind of did it and forced it upon each other. But it wasn't until later that I started to come across the literature about active recall. And I'm like, why is this the best kept secret? Why aren't we <laughs> teaching our kids this early on? And maybe we are now in today's educational, you know, uh, environment, but it didn't hit me until I was well into adulthood and I was pretty angry. No one taught me that. (laughs) I think about how much smarter I can be right now. (laughs) I agree with you. I mean, but our kids definitely are learning. Are uh, they? Good. Like having small groups that, you know, um, a lot of them, the classes are based on small group discussions. And I think that centers around this idea of this, you know, active learning and discussion is much more, um, you know, helpful than reading and being lectured to. So, so in addition to us kind of teaching back and forth, like we would take a little topic and you would kind of teach me how you thought about it and what it was, and I would do something on something else. What else can someone do either together or alone with their, with their study materials? Um, So that's a good question. So I think there are some tips and suggestions that we can offer um, to help with recall um, because you still do need to read, right? And you still need to go to lectures to learn some of the content. But um, I think that some of the tips um, for, let's say for reading that I I think I've seen in the literature and I've done myself is that um, after you review, let's say a chapter or a section, 
you can then summarize it out loud to yourself, maybe in front of a mirror or in the car when you're driving to work. You could teach your partner, that could be your study partner, or maybe even your significant other. You could talk to your pet, anything that is sort of, you know, you're taking that material and you're restructuring it and saying it out loud. That does mm-hmm. definitely help, I think, with retention. Um, the other thing, a tip that you can do is after you read a few pages, you can then go back to the tables and cover up the rows mm-hmm. and see, can you fill those in? Can you create that same table again? And if you can't, that's okay. Because when you look at the, you know, sort of row and what's in there, and even if you had gotten, couldn't remember it the first time, the fact that you're reading it again will help you retain it. Right. Um, a lot of people, I've seen um, some medical students that I work with, they use concept maps to mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, help them um, sort of take that material and actively rewrite it and think about the connections that they just read. Um, it's not something that I've used in the past, but I know a lot of our younger, the younger generation definitely use that. Yeah. Something I like to do is I would maybe study a card or a, a, a material, a table, whatever, and then do kind of like that paper dump, that brain dump, where then I would put it away, blank piece of paper, and can I completely recreate it? Just recreate it and um, without those cues in front of me. And that helped me a lot. And it helped me again with the whole visual to writing connection that, that I think allowed me to retain the material a bit longer. Yeah, I agree. And I think that's one piece um, we really focused on with one of our, you know, our newer books to have as many visuals as possible, because mm-hmm. I think you and I do learn better and retain material better when we see a visual. And yeah. um, I hope others find that helpful but and find that to be true. But that's a more common, I think, retention, um, you know, sort of uh, retention concept that people use just to have that visual. How about I talked about not fooling myself by just looking at material and thinking it was familiar. How about not fooling yourself when you're doing question and answers and you get something right? Oh, definitely. I mean, I think that um, there, uh, you, you really do want to review the questions that you get right because even those, you might've picked the right answer for the wrong wrong reason, right? Right. Um, I don't know if I told you that there's this really funny story. Um, I don't, we, I think we have time for this um, about, or is that okay, Kami? Are you ready to hear? Yeah, let's go for it. Okay. <laughs> so uh, one of my mentors in medical education, Dr. Rich Schwartzstein, I think you've met him or heard of mm-hmm. him. Um, he's an adult pulmonologist at Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center in Boston. And he tells a story about how he was driving on the highway with his daughter and she's in the back seat. At the time, she was about, I think, seven or eight, nine years old. And as he was driving, the sun was setting to the left of the car. And he asked his daughter which direction they were driving. And his daughter thought about it for a few minutes. And then she said, they're going north. And he was so excited that she figured this out. And he asked her to explain her answer. And his daughter said that she saw a a sign on the highway that said 95 N and she figured out that N must mean North. (laughs) And he tells that story. So medical educators remember to ask students to explain their medical reasoning. 
because it may be way off base, even if they've answered the question correctly. So I think uh, even when you're doing questions, you want to think about reading the explanations that you got right as well. Yeah. Because that's that's important too. Oh, absolutely. I think we've all stumbled upon getting something right for the wrong reasons. (laughs) Um, I I think questions... Oh, I was sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to move on to like other tools that I've come Um, across, but did you want to finish out this story? Yeah, I just wanted to say, no, 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 no addition to the story, but I wanted to also comment about the questions. I think questions are really helpful Yeah. um, because, uh, you know, sort of they are obviously testing your knowledge, but they don't cover everything. And there is a little bit of randomness to them. So of course, the more questions you do, the more likely you'll cover a topic. But I, I think it, it may be difficult to rely only on questions as your um, resource when you're studying. Right. Um, yeah. Um, and then is- I also have one more tip. This is how Kami and I talk a lot. Sometimes I keep interrupting. <laughs> That's totally fine. Last minute thoughts. But uh, the other thought I had was about a lecture and how to uh, help you retain the material in a lecture. And sometimes what you can do is, before going to the lecture, even taking five or 10 minutes uh, to look at the material before the class. It doesn't have to be the the teacher's PowerPoint slides. It could be from another resource, but just to look at the material a little bit to remind yourself of the content so that when you hear it again during the lecture, you're more likely to remember it and retain that content. Yeah. Uh, One of my interests has always been, you know, we're we're living in an age where the amount of information that is coming at us is so fast and so quick, Um, you know, from what we learn at the bedside, from all the, you know, books and reading, from the medias and the, you know, uh, formats and the podcasts, all the, the journal articles that we all struggle to keep up with. So there's always this fascination to me about how do you catalog that information? How do you, how do you organize it and catalog it? And there's probably again, no right answer, but I love, I love learning about new digital tools that try Mm. to make that easier for you. Mm. And I just wanted to put some out there because there are some that specifically I think could help someone if they like to interface that way with their knowledge, with the digital tools on the computer, on their phone. And so You've got um, flashcard specific programs like Quizlet and Anki. You've got, uh, there's this program called Remnote that is a combination. It's actually, as you take your notes and write your notes, it can automatically create your flashcards of the content. And so that's fantastic. I'm learning more and more about that. So Uh, hold on a second. So we created our note cards just by hand. hand, By everything by hand. hand. So now there's an option to create note cards on the computer. So you type it in. Yes. You type it in. And with Remnant, you can just type in your piece of knowledge, you know, with some formatting, some double colons. It automatically will change that into a flashcard. So you have it on your screen as a set of lecture notes. And then there's an option to review that note, review those notes wow. as flashcards. And is there a back part to it too? So yeah. Like, you oh, can wow. say specifically what's front and back. Wow. You can decide whether you want the back presented to you or the front present, presented to you. 
And you can schedule how frequently you want to see that card based on how comfortable you think you know that knowledge. Oh, that's it's, awesome. it's fascinating. I was like, ah, oh, again, that's I great. wish I had the head when I, I, I was, I don't, sometimes I think I should have been born earlier. Sometimes. <laughs> And so, Kami, that's Remnote that you were just describing? That's Remnote, definitely. Okay. And I have nothing to do with these softwares. I would say <laughs> the, the final uh, two pieces would be, or final softwares would be Rome Research and Notion. So take a look at that. It's all about cataloging knowledge and content. So fascinating stuff that's out there. Let me finish with just a couple, and then we'll, we'll go into a break. One is connect that knowledge as you're learning to a case. Mm. So always, you know, we all experience that. We experience a case. We take care of a patient. We learn about a new connection with physiology or a new diagnosis. Try to relate back what you learn to those experiences and you and you will retain that longer. Mm -hmm. And create analogies. Um, I'm going to go back to Daphna and the whole sequestration timeout. Loved it. Loved it. Create Agreed. analogies like that. And that'll help too. And remembering. So yeah, yeah I, I think any other, I think that kind of exhausted my knowledge on active recall. No, I think that um, sometimes the mnemonics, I find those are really challenging to actually create. Um, and sometimes I remember them, sometimes I don't. So you just have to be careful about making too many mnemonics. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah, those are all really good ideas, Kami. Excellent. Um, yeah. Well, I hope that's useful to those listening. And again, it doesn't have to be for the boards. Try to incorporate that incorporate that into your training. And even as an attending, I uh, I do. That's how I know about these digital tools. I'm in this <laughs> constant quest of how can I catalog my knowledge, not just for myself, but um, retain it so I can teach better as well. Great. And I appreciate, Kami, that you're always keeping me posted on all the latest technology and that's really helpful. Thank you. Absolutely. <laughs> Have a good day. You too, everyone. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Incubator and Neonatology Review Podcast. If you like our show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We would love to hear from you, so please feel free to reach out to Daphna and I via email by sending your messages to nicupodcast at gmail.com. You can also message the show on Twitter at nicupodcast. Thanks again for listening and see you next time. This podcast is intended to be purely for entertainment and informational purposes and should not be construed as medical advice. If you have any medical concerns, please see your primary care practitioner. Thank you.